Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to A Fan to A Fan, episode 10, the safe place where I'm allowed to speak openly about my criticisms of people and society. I am your host, Franny's Coupe, and I hope you will remember that name until your dying days. Let's get into it. Oof. Well, how do you guys? What is up? It's me again, fourth day in a row. How's the day going for you guys? I can honestly say my day is going pretty smooth, okay? Woke up early, took my monthly shower, and decided to grind and be a well-balanced person. As uh, some of you guys know, I go to um, a school, a university, and um, I study political science, sadly. And uh, honestly, I would have to say uh, the major is okay, but I can't stand a lot of the people in the major. Some of them can be ignorant, I would say. And uh, the thing is with that is they claim to be these um, liberals with positive intentions. But in reality, they're doing more harm than the conservatives actually do. I talked in my last episode about backstabbers and people who are fake. You know, as I said, I'd rather have people be straight up about their personality than pull some backstabbing stuff out later. Like, that's the way I feel about these so-called liberals that are moderate, that are whatever they are. I'd rather have someone be racist to my face versus someone be racist behind my back, okay? I'm all about transparency here. You know, uh, I am a big girl, physically, metaphorically, all of the above. I know how to take some racism, okay? I mean, when I got here to this PWI, some may call it a peewee, uh, I was just submerged into this sea of white people. And uh, I learned how to take some hits. So, guys, it's okay to be racist in my face. Like I said. Uh, <clears throat> To go back to the uh, political science major discussion, you know, we have uh, different concentrations here for the major. I think it's like six different concentrations, and I chose the concentration with the least amount of tone-deaf white people. You know, who think they, they, they have ideas like uh, shooting garbage to the sun will eliminate, uh, you know, soft climate change. And communism is the answer to solve poverty. Uh, we can argue about that, but it's just certain stuff don't make any sense. The point is they act like they know everything when they really don't. And um, it's, it's just stuff like that. And... um besides, you know, the ones that want to claim to be liberal and solve climate change by shooting garbage to, to the moon or or to the sun, I would say it's a lot of moderates on campus, and they're so young. I'm just like, 
y'all y'all are too young to be freaking moderate democrats is life that boring that you have to be a moderate like it's ridiculous like these these policy majors are so moderate uh like it seems like they would have voted in favor of Citizens United or something, and I'm just like, hey, you even you don't even have a campaign yet, and you're willing to accept these uh campaign donations. They 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 just sold their soul already. Um, moderate politicians, I would say, uh, the ones in in, in Washington, um, I see how they're made. They're made. They're made here in college by the political science majors, honestly. And uh but moderates back in the day, they they're not they're not the same as they are today, I would say, because the moderate Democrats typically are formed from these ambitious liberal Democrats young. They they come here and then um oh god, that's my building. They're freaking doing construction. Seems like they're gonna tear the whole thing down with me here. But anyway, uh they're they're tore down in Washington every day, constantly, constantly, constantly. They're beat down. They they have a bunch of money thrown at them. They say, Here, take this money and you just have to make this a law. And they say, Okay. And you you have to admit money is a weakness for a lot of people and to and to say that you would be any different in a situation like that that's a lie because i i feel like the, this whole system here is is based off of greed and it's human nature it's human nature to want more and more and more and that's why there are so much so many stagnant policies here that don't change anything it doesn't change anything. And it's just around and around, revolving door, whatever. Nothing nothing changes around here because of these these moderate Democrats who who don't care. And honestly I would say, uh I was actually really interested in uh, becoming a politician, but then I realized I would have to be fake for that. I would I would have to lie. And I'm not interested in being fake, honestly. I don't. I don't feel like it. I would say that's just not me. And then, not if someone offered me some some money, like to make something the law. I'm like, ah, oh, it wouldn't hurt too many people. That's not that bad. I, I'll I'll take it two million dollars. So at least I'm honest with myself. I'll take the money. And there's no one that that wouldn't turn down the money unless you're so rich and you don't care. But most people, they they want power. They want money, and that's the way how the world turns, guys. That's the way the world turns. Now, also with these uh, moderates and these uh, so-called quote-unquote liberals, they are infamously known for this pandering, <laughs> pandering to to certain groups, and especially in these election cycles, they have these groups. They have got a 
pan, uh, pander to the middle class, the lower middle class, the black women, the, the Hispanic people, like this, these groups. So they go out of their way and they try so hard to seem relatable when in reality they are not relatable. They're millionaires. They make so much money. So there's no possible way that they can be relatable, but they try so hard. And at some point, it becomes hilarious. And actually, um, that is what I want to talk about today. These moderates that, that pander, they, they really pander. And I would like to say this is in contrast to the Republican party, because I feel the Republican party is a lot different because, uh, their voter base is more so, uh, a ride or die. Whereas if you were since the Democratic Party is so split, so many wings to it, it's the far left, and you have the moderates, there's a drastic difference in the policies. So, and also the third parties help hurt the uh, Democratic Party so much, those third parties. So they, they have to try their best to pander, and whereas Republicans, they, they ride or die, whatever, but I do feel like Democratic voters can be kind of um, entitled, and I know they they hate to hear that word. That you not you don't I don't owe you a vote, and then you get upset that someone like Donald Trump was voted in. It's not making any sense. You decided not to vote, so so that's what you got. So that's why I would like to call some of them entitled. So you can't blame these politicians for pandering, really when you have to try to appeal to these to these uh these different voters with different values but you need all of these votes in order to, to secure the um the win so i want to talk about this today the pandering but specifically i want to since you know me a black woman i would like to talk about uh pandering to the black vote because uh, I'm a black voter and I would say and some of these assumptions that um, these politicians have and what the media has is completely different of my interests and what they think of me is kind of insulting. So I would just like to get into that as a poli-sci econ major here. And, and I, I don't know, maybe you guys be interested, maybe you won't. But this is for my, my poli-sci folks out there who may find it somewhat interesting. But I would have to say, let's get into it. Ooh, oh, I'll say before I get into this, I would like to take a drink from um, my nice water fountain water in a uh, water bottle, you know. We saving the earth around here, and we don't have to shoot garbage to the sun. Let me take a sip. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, my backstory with this. As I said, I am a political science major, but... My concentration is in international relations, and I honestly, just just being here, even taking how many classes did I take that I realized I didn't care for domestic politics too much. You know, you you get the gist: collective action, bureaucracy, 
blah, 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 voting, nobody likes to vote, blah, 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 Americans, Declaration of Independence, who cares, I don't care, okay, so I want to focus, I was, I decided I want to focus more on, like, you know, the international uh, perspective, like, um, United States role in, uh, in national politics, and things like that and what we do with our resources and war economics global economy all all of that stuff so so that's why i prefer that and also like i said it's it's less it's less live laugh love let, let's change the world people in international relations you just get a bunch of white guys that that uh, get erect at the idea of dropping a, a nuclear bomb on Japan, and and that's and that's like the most extreme thing. Like you got people really excited over war. I get excited over trade war, but they get excited over actual war. I mean, I took a crisis diplomacy class um, when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, so so you had a lot of excited folks in there so but besides besides that um let me talk about domestic politics here so my backstory with this pandering um so got to college august 2019 and um i was starting to get you know the 2020 election was coming up everybody wants to get rid of trump of course it's a democrat you want to get rid of trump and um it was so many Democrats running, and it was ridiculous. It, it became a joke, and definitely a lot of satire came from the amount of Democrats running in uh, 2020. Um, it was hilarious. So I decided, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm interested in politics. I love politics. I want to change the world when I get to college, blah, blah, blah. So I decided to do research. And at the time, I believe it was 24 candidates. That's a lot of freaking Democrats. I mean, the debate nights, remember, it was part one, part two, and, uh, it was it was so funny. I remember who was who was the most memeable. Was it a freak? What was the author's name? I think she was Oprah's spiritual advisor, Miriam. Oh, I forgot. She was ridiculous. Oh God, she was very cringy. I don't even know. I think and she stayed in the race for a long time, and she had she had fired all of her campaign staff because she couldn't uh, afford afford them anymore and she still didn't drop out the race thank god she finally dropped out of the race eventually but i'm like that's on you girl i don't know why a spiritual advisor thinks they they can become president but that was very memeable tulsi gabbard was interesting she was the most most googled candidate um in the uh after the debates and mostly because people found her hot <laughs> so that's the only reason why they googled her andrew yang oh, the amount of people that thought it was possible to uh get a thousand dollars a month i'm just like how you gonna get a thousand dollars you are you understanding money? do you understand the concept of money and do you think you could just overturn the system like that to the point where everyone's getting a thousand dollars a month that wasn't well 
thought out. Um, of course, you had the infamous Bernie Sanders. Everyone loves Bernie Sanders, especially the liberal quote-unquote college students. And then actually now, I see those same college students who love Bernie Sanders that they don't like him anymore. They're like, oh, he's too moderate. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, the day when you hear people saying Bernie Sanders is too moderate, it's ridiculous. And of course, you had Sleepy Joe. Um, Sleepy Joe is over there. I really, he really cleaned himself up. Like, he, he cleaned himself up by the time they got to the general election because he had so many slip ups. He had so, he was, he was acting like an old man. And then I was just thinking, this guy is not gonna win the presidency. <laughs> He's so old. Isn't he 78, 79 years old right now? He's so old, and I, I didn't think so. It was just a lot of old people in general. I remember when uh, Bernie Sanders and Michael Bloomberg were arguing over a stent. Somebody had a stent put in their heart. They had, Both of them had stents put in their heart, and they was like, I had a stent put in my heart a year ago. You had two stents put in your heart. I was just like, everybody is so old. But let me not go over these ridiculous candidates. Oh, Cory Booker. Oh, God. He was funny. He was really funny. I remember it was one uh, debate. I think it was the first debate. Everybody was speaking Spanish. Again, pandering. Look at them pandering so hard. I'm just like, no, all y'all know Spanish? Are you kidding me? No, thank you. And then they try so hard to get the one-liners in. And it's just like, because they want to go viral. Politics is a joke. It's such a joke and that's why i could not get on board with it just realizing all that stuff that's why i changed my mind i can do another a whole episode on why why my opinions changed on that but uh let me get to my candidate who i supported so dearly who i love and that candidate was elizabeth warren I love her so much. I love her so She just had a plan for everything. She was so smart. She was, she was into the economic perspective. And I just feel like my views aligned so much with her. She wasn't too moderate and she wasn't too ridiculous to a point. Cause don't get me wrong. Bernie Sanders is, he was great for the movement in terms of bringing up a, free college and uh medicare for all and things like that so i feel like he was important for that discussion and like even just changing that whole narrative like being able to talk about that in debate was very important and that's why i appreciate him but we just i just didn't rock with the democratic socialist thing i'm not a democratic socialist i do not identifies that so eh, you can argue with me if you want but i'm not i'm not a bernie sanders fan i feel like elizabeth warren had plans to execute her ideas and uh that's what i liked about her i liked her um idea of tackling corruption because i do feel like corruption is a root of most of the issues in dc because like i said people are 
corrupted by money so easily. If you have these laws that make it easier for politicians to accept money from these uh, lobbyists, these big PACs, super PACs, then of course they will be more willing to make these decisions that are against public interest. So her talking about overturning like tackling like you know Citizens United like getting rid of the revolving door uh doing all that stuff that lim- that eliminates corruption and when you eliminate corruption you can get a lot done this is why nothing can truly get done in Washington because of stuff like this is so partisan so much money involved so much people involved so many people appointing their family what they call it nepotism that's the that's the word for it it's just not in the public interest and in this democratic system, we want to make it for the public interest. <laughs> anyway, this is not my whole campaign speech. Let me stop. I told you, I'm not into being a politician anymore. So I, t- I talked about Warren. And t- just 2020 in general, it was ridiculous. And then I've seen that the lengths these, these Democratic candidates went to pander to these groups of people. Because, like I said, 24 candidates and such different views like such different sides these people are on within the same party it's crazy so you have to imagine that these people these candidates are trying so hard to appeal to these to these groups they're trying so hard and like they come off as cringy and they can't help it and they're doing this in good faith and they don't know how cringy they're being because when you're in Washington for so long and when you're making so much money and you forget you forget the way how a middle a middle class family survives each day how people go to work day to day you lose touch and that's why I do feel like it it comes off as them being more cringy and out of touch and uh, that's I'm gonna talk about this later. But um and also I would like to say that they also learned they learned from um Hillary Clinton in twenty sixteen because who would have thought Donald Trump would have won presidency? Like they just thought it was a whole joke. And Hillary Clinton took it as a joke. And this is my I think I wanna do an episode on Hillary Clinton. This just came to mind. Um but it's it's a controversial opinion, but I I really do appreciate Hillary Clinton. People wanted to call her corrupt or she worships Satan or, or whatever, but I I appreciate her for everything she's done and the way that she's been knocking on this glass ceiling, she really opened the door. She opened the door for so many women. And the the way she is right now is reflective of the way Washington tore her down over time, over time, over time, 30, 30, 40 years in politics. And you can't say that Washington's going to, you know, Washington's not going to tear you down. That's, that's so long. That's such a long track work record to a point where people have so much stuff against you. You have this stuff piling on. Like, why'd you vote for this? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? I feel like she was the most the most qualified person to become president. I, 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 do, I do feel that way. And like a lot of people may agree. I mean, may disagree with me, especially um, my peers, because uh, p- 
people like like to believe like she's worse. She's she's worse than Donald Trump. Blah blah blah. She just has this this long history, long record, and it's more stuff to to um that people can argue, you know, against her. And of course, you have these crazy conspiracy nuts. Of course, you do, and that that comes with anything. <laughs> but um. I do appreciate everything she's done. And she, like I was speaking earlier about the moderates, how moderates are built. They come in very ambitious and they get tore down over time. And like, so come to uh, these, these donations and they just get really discouraged and they want to stay in power and they want to make more money. And she was initially really liberal. She was really liberal and people tore her down when she wanted, she was a, Working on a task force and during uh, Bill Clinton's first term for uh, health care. And again, she it was considered too liberal at the time. She wanted, she wanted to uh, provide health care. A problem that we still have now in America is health care. And we can't figure out health care. It's most expensive here, but that's that's for other reasons. But the point is she, she wanted to, to get all these Americans low-income insured and she was tore down for it she was tore down she was criticized for it because it was even partisan back then uh she was criticized for it just being a woman and wanting to uh break the traditional role of first lady she wanted to actually do something she wanted to have her own identity she didn't even want to take bill clinton's last name at first and just just that and with the time a person if hillary were to be born more so uh in my time period and like the like so much change so much can so much can change in a few years in a couple of years and people don't realize how how many glass cylinders she had to break and and what she created for women politicians we're women politicians right now. People don't realize that. People don't appreciate that. People don't realize what she goes through. People don't look at the time context. They are just, they just want to attack her and attack her, attack her and compare her to these much more liberal women right now when she's the one. She's the one initially that opened up the door for them. And not to say that she's perfect in any way, but people are too harsh on her. People are too harsh on her and people need to realize that. And <laughs> I'm going off on a Hillary tangent, but Hillary Clinton, she took 22, 2016 too easily. She, she took it like a joke. She took it like, I'm going to win anyway. I don't have, I don't have to campaign. And those, uh, those states, those purple states, like, like Wisconsin and Michigan, I'm going to win it anyway, because it's Trump. No, she took it too easily and, and she didn't put in enough effort. And also this, does Bernie Sanders wing of the party in 2016, you had this much more, these Democrats that were really liberal that did not agree with Obama's policies and they still, they still weren't happy. They, they weren't happy with the way the country was being run. So they wanted to change. They want someone that's more liberal. And then you have this Bernie Sanders figure and they just like, this is God right here. So she definitely did not account for those Bernie Sanders supporters that decided not to vote they decided not to show up they they decided to vote for jill stein jill stein okay uh like i said these third parties 
they hurt the Democratic Party more so than anything. And that's why the Republican Party has it easier. So she did not account for that. And relating back to 2020, this is the the thing that these candidates did not want to do again. They did not want to make the same mistake. They realized this Bernie Sanders is nuts. He probably will not be elected. He's old. He has these radical ideas. But I need these, these, I need all these voters in order to defeat Trump. I need all these voters. So what am I going to do? When am I going to, I'm going to briefly bring up uh, free college. I'm going to briefly bring up Medicare for all, free health care, because that's what they like. That's what a large part of the party likes. So I have to bring it up. I may not do it. I may change my mind in the general election once I clinch that nomination. But I need I need these voters. And that's where I feel like a lot of this pandering comes in. So it's essential or cringy is my point. So also in my experience with this uh pandering, it's also the the way these college Democrats talk talk about it to talk about the black vote for example and i would be the only black person in the club in the democrats club and i'm just hearing the way they're talking about me i'm literally the only black person there i'm like why don't other people join this these democrats i'm like oh yeah duh that's why and i would just sit there like come on like the way they talk about it they don't see black voters as people they just see us as this thing this not they they don't see us as humans they they see us as this thing they just see us as one collective group and they assume that we we all have the same values we all have the same views and that's just not the case and that's that's completely wrong to do yeah we're a group like there's certain groups of people that that share these similarities of course like if you were to say policies for the middle class lower middle class they share similarities but just to say this is a race of people they want the same thing like we're we're a race of people but we're separate people we're different people so just to group us in this one thing it it kind it kind of is dehumanizing and it really shows that people only care about the black voters when it's election time and you need us and then the rest of the time once election season is over it's like oh forget about them oh black lives matter is a terrorist group oh this is that that's what we're considered but i will get more into detail on uh this perception they have of us and yeah it's the candidates that run for these spots. It's the uh, major news media outlets. I would even see it on these so-called liberal out, uh, outlets too. And there will be white liberals just talking about us like that. And I'm just here to, to make y'all aware if, if some of you guys tend to do it. Wink, wink. And even seeing it here on the college campus, these so-called white liberals they can't be racist because they're liberal, but but the way they, they talk about this, the way they group us, the way they assume things, and they just don't know our interests. I was just like, 
to make some people less ignorant. Some of you PS majors, make you less ignorant. Let's get into it. Ooh, that introduction was a, that wasn't even an introduction. Uh, back story was a bit longer than usual. I need a drink after that. Oh my god. Shoot, I'm dehydrated. Anyway, I'll get to point number one of this pandering to the black vote and their perception of black voters. <sighs> the South. The South. Oh my God, I hate this so much. So there's always a Democratic debate in South Carolina. And they're like, this is important for the black voters. They need this to get the black voters. If they do well in South Carolina, then they're going to do well with all the black voters. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, I would like to make a very, I would like to, to make a little clarification here. A black vote, black people in the South differ from black people in the North. Okay. All right. Like, like y'all need to understand that. Like my cousins come down from Tennessee and I'm like, what language are you speaking? And we just have different perceptions of like different views. So to assume black voters like in America are this whole unilateral thing and we just stick together. No, that's not the case to, to assume that that us us up here in the north is very that we have the same views as those in South Carolina and to assume that if you do well in a South Carolina debate that you're going to do well with all the black voters that doesn't even make sense cuz sometimes black people can't even stick together like i hate to be ignorant but it's it's the truth these black folks they can't stick together <laughs> They, they they can't. So, like, to assume that, that one black person going to vote, one state of black people are going to vote for you, the next state of black people going to vote for you, because we have, we have different values. And if you weren't so ignorant to assume, like, just because you went South Carolina, it doesn't mean all the black people are going to like you. And also a stunt I see with the Democratic Party, when they're South Carolina debate, they visit a Baptist church. And then they they go and then they make a little speech and then they they do the oh, they they cast your holy ghost real quick. If if you've been to a black church, you understand the the dancing, the clapping, screaming. You you gotta how long you gotta be in there to praise Jesus? God, you gotta be in there four hours to praise Jesus. And it don't take that long. Jesus get the point. But they go to this church because you assume you assume all black people are Baptists. That's not the case. That's that's right. You just assuming stuff. That's ignorant to assume that. I personally grew up going to a Catholic church, so I was not uh, accustomed to these these black churches. You know, Catholic church. You in there for an hour. You oh, and then that's it. You dip. You know, you take your bread, take your wine. Bunch of white people, it's whatever. Then when I went to uh, a Baptist church, is dancing, screaming. And I'm just like, oh my god, these hooligans. No, just kidding. But you 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 get my point. To assume that all black people are Christian and assume that all black people are aligned are all black people of, of all the same reach of all different regions in america are the same that's really ignorant and i wish the the news media outlets oh, stop painting it as that and also um i think is south carolina super tuesday state i think 
I think South Carolina is Super Tuesday. So that that's okay. How, how do I how do I say this? People they go out and they I remember in twenty twenty specifically it was Super Tuesday and then they the the candidates were competing for black endorsements uh like ministers and although I love my girl Elizabeth Warren she got John Legend to go to South Carolina and like assume oh John Legend's voting for me so all you black people should vote for me not all black people like John Legend I don't listen to John Legend I don't I don't have my spare time listening to John Legend even if I didn't listen to him, he's not an inspiration to me. I don't think, oh my God, John Legend's voting for Elizabeth Warren. Maybe I should vote for Elizabeth Warren. But you see my point? Like, I love her so much, but doing that, what, what, what's the, what's, what's the point? What's the point? And then when they're in the South also, they, they want to go to these barbecues. These ba- ba- barbecues, okay, <laughs> you you know what I mean. Black people, we go when they when they go to the cookouts, and then these uh, they want to seem so relatable, and it's it's so cringy. I remember Kamala Harris trying to act act extra black. She was trying to act extra black, you know. She was so happy. She was half. She was a halfy that day. She's like, "Oh yeah, I'm black, so I should get the black vote." She felt entitled to the black votes because she was a black woman. And that's not the case. Like, honestly, like, don't get me wrong. Everyone's biased or whatever. But I actually did research into the politicians before um, actually uh, voting, you know, uh, voting for them and uh, supporting and volunteering for them. So I saw Kamala Harris. Like, okay, that's a black woman. I'm like, what are her policies? No. She's based. She was basically Joe Biden, but a different gender, a different skin color, same policies. But since she had that image, that look, that people people assume that black people will vote for her because she's black or Cory Booker. They would try so hard to be extra black. <laughs> you could tell when somebody's trying to be extra black. It's okay. Like I know Cory Booker grew up in a uh, New Jersey like um lower income but sir you went to stanford for undergrad yale law school um sir like you don't have to act extra black i know cory booker is a smart man and then he just tried to throw in these these extra this <laughs> and he tried to be extra black like like for what for what that's so embarrassing sir i remember in one of the uh debates he was like uh he was talking about so Joe maybe it was Joe Biden and he was like uh just just like just like uh we say uh you all up in the Kool-Aid hey don't even know the sugar all, all up in the Kool-Aid don't even know the flavor oh, there we go all up in the Kool-Aid don't even know the flavor dang you my black cuz i don't even remember the thing he's like you all up in the Kool-Aid don't even know the flavor he's he's trying too hard that's trying too hard and that's like he, did he think by saying that phrase that all the black people would just vote for him? Like, oh my gosh, he's so relatable. He knows about the uh, Kool-Aid quote. Huh? Make it make sense. God, in my next uh, point. Um, so besides these, uh, oh yeah, also with that, with that uh, whole uh, South Carolina 
stuff and like going to the south and assuming all black people are like i noticed they the politicians want to add the extra country twang to their voice so they sound more relatable and if you have a country voice you come off as nicer like what what's the that's so embarrassing i know you have a country accent like i i I talked about my appreciation for hillary clinton but she was most famous for doing that she was she would change up her voice she would have a country voice she had she had a country voice uh because she stayed in arkansas for a few years when uh Clinton was a, a governor of Arkansas, so she had a country accent then. Ladies from Illinois, I think she's from Tinley Park, actually. She's this, this lady's from freaking Illinois, girl. You ain't got no country. You from Tinley Park, girl. You ain't got no country accent. And then she goes to New York and the center, and she got a New York accent. And then uh, when she'd be talking to black voters, she put on her so-called urban voice. I'm just like, can someone can someone get this lady? <laughs> it's, uh, it it can't be worse than her one quote that uh, I think it, this is what caused Hillary Clinton to uh, lose the election. It was not it was it was not her avoiding going to Wisconsin or Michigan. It was her saying this one quote. It was Pokemon Go to the polls, and that was when Pokemon Go was really popping. Just got just got off in 2016, and she said Pokemon Go to the polls. I'm just Hillary. You're trying too hard, baby. Like I like you. You you pushing it. You you really pushing it. Anyways, this other sector that I was talking about, the urban. Like everyone is they assume these black people are so urban. Urban like, okay, so there's no middle ground. They either assume that we live in on the south side of Chicago or we live deep in the country picking cotton there's no middle ground there are no normal black people okay so we either have to be really country or we have to be in the hood so 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 they so they try so hard with that like i said putting on this urban accent uh putting on uh i don't know how how do they appeal uh to us urban urban black people well, what did, what, did, what did they do? They say, "Oh, we're gonna put programs here. We're gonna do this. We're gonna give you free this. We're gonna free. We're gonna give you free that. Free that. Free that. This is this, this that." And then, just just the way they they talk about us in the, in that context, just to assume like everybody's for this. Everybody is poor. Every, they assume we're all poor. That we're in the hood, and I don't like that. Again, that's ignorant and low key racist. That's that is so ignorant. That's so ignorant, and I I wish that that they saw that. There's there are some normal black folks out here. Uh, not not me pulling out my country accent. You know, I'm not I'm not from the south. I'm not from the the south side of Chicago. I would say. I mean, I am from Gary, but. That's just one stereotype that I fall under. But we're going to forget about the urban stereotype. But that's Indiana anyway, Republican state. So I just I just want to be a... I'm, I'm a normal black person that can form opinions for myself. And I'm not going to vote. And I'm not going to make judgments based off of your skin color. Because you're black, so you may be able to 
to be more relatable to me and I'm not going to pick you because you have this this black person that, that also supports you because that's not the way black people work. And that gives me vibes like you think that we're stupid, that we don't do our research, that we don't know what we want, that we don't, we're, we're too dumb to understand politics. That is the impression I'm getting when you do things like this or when you assume that all of us are... Like all of us are located in these poor neighborhoods or we're located deep in the South where we can't understand anything, but we understand. Don't group us all into this one big group because you only care about our, you only care about us for you, for your advancement, for your power gain. You don't actually think about us, you know, it drives me to my next point. They don't know what we actually want. They really don't. And like I said, People are tone deaf. They lose sight of what actual middle class families go through day day to day. They they forget how it feels to to work a nine to five, come home, take care of the kids, help them with their homework, whatever. They they lose they they just they just lose sight of that. They they forget what it's like, and they just have this. They have you know, have this life in Washington, D.C., whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're supposed to be serving the people, but that don't mean they lose touch, that, that that they just keep touch with what the people actually want. You're in D.C. all the time. Do you actually, are you actually a politician that goes into your communities, hear their needs, understand them? And that just comes with anything. Like, I feel like if I stop living my life here and then if I got rich all of a sudden, please, by any means, somebody give me some money, please, 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 please. Then I feel like I will lose touch too. And I will come off as ignorant. And then they, you know, some of you may be like, oh, you're not, you're different. You changed. And I'll be like, no, I didn't change what you're talking about because I'm so quick to argue with somebody. But that, that can be the truth. That's just, again, that's human nature. If you're not living that life every day, you forget what it is. So like I said, Cory Booker, like, although I'm not sure if he's from the projects, I don't want to assume he's from the projects in New Jersey, but I know he, he did come from a very poor neighborhood there. Like, although he grew up like that, he's been, he's been in that, uh, in that, uh, in that spot. And, uh, what is he? He's a senator, a senator. He's been he's been a senator for a while. And you can argue that he lost touch. He lost touch with his people. He's made he made a certain amount of money and, and he forgot where he came from and, and he forgets he he forgets what his constituents were. And that that's just natural. They forget how to be normal people. So just assuming Assuming that these black people want the same unilateral thing, that's wrong to do. And that's actually how these destructive policies are made because people assume and they don't actually consult these people. They, they, they don't consult these people. They just assume. So just to assume, because it's a large concentration of black people in South Carolina that, oh, this is a large group here in this one state. So this is what everybody wants. They don't actually consult these people to, to understand. They don't listen. They don't care. They really don't. Like I said, a black person, we're not a copycat of the other. I don't want the, the same thing 
uh, but Boquisha wants to, to the left of me or that Sally Mae wants to the side of me, you know, we're all unique. We're all different. So don't assume that we can't formulate opinions and ideas and that we can't do research and that, you know, don't assume that about us. And that drives me to my next point. If they wanted to, if they wanted to, to look, if they wanted to do research and talk to us, they would. And that's because they don't care for real. They don't care for real. They don't. And people hear that. Politicians don't care. Politicians don't care. Yeah. Like I said, it's money. It's money involved. And not everybody's like me. Like, I'm willing to pull myself out of that field, out of that career field. Because I said I would, I would succumb to monetary donations. And yeah, and you would tell me, Frenice, you changed. And I'll tell you, no, I didn't change. I'm the same person. No one that I changed. <laughs> Because I just got, because I would get used to the lifestyle. I'll get used to the money. And then I would slack off. And I wouldn't do what I'm supposed to do for the people that I'm serving. So not everybody's like me. It's going to be the next wave, this generation, going into politics. And I see some of those people here today. And they're bad already. So imagine how bad they're going to be. They're going to be the next Mitch McConnell, I would have to say. It, it's it's honestly sad to see. So they don't care. They they don't care about black people actually. And this drives me to my last point today. Soon as the election cycle is over, everyone forgets and they do not care about black people. And that's just the way it is. That is just the way it is. There are a lot of problems that needs to be fixed in terms of wealth, inequality. Uh, so, like, th that's the main thing. That gap right there. That gap right there. Because the starting line was different for us. And people want to say, segregation, it's not, it's not legal anymore. Whatever. Slavery was so long ago. You need to let it go. That made a big impact because the starting line was different. And then all of that stuff from the past is still reflective of today. It is. And a lot of that stuff need, needs to be addressed. And that's only talked about during the election cycle when people need your vote. And they're going to stop caring. They're going to stop caring. They're going to stop going to your local Baptist church and talking to you, preaching to you. They're going to stop... Um, Talking about positive things about building up your community and um, helping out with jobs and low income communities because they're not going to care. They're going to stop talking about police brutality. They're going to stop talking about all of that because they only care when it's when they need you. And once and once they got that, once they got that secured, they're going to drop. They're going to drop you because they don't care for real. They don't care for real. They're going to forget about you, and that's just the way it is. People only use you when they need you. And why is it any different for politicians, especially those in power? Power is a very strong thing. And everyone needs to understand it. So those are my uh, quick little points. I don't know if it's quick, but those, those are my points of these politicians pandering to black people. And why is it and why it's so ridiculous? Alrighty. Ooh. 
that was a lot. That was a lot for me. A lot of talking. I'm sorry. I know some some. This is mostly like a politics not major thing. And maybe if you're interested in learning more about politics and you find this uh discussion interesting, then then you wouldn't mind listening to me speak. But um. Little conclusion, you know, of course, I gotta give my little conclusion statements, throw some advice out there as usual. Some of you take it, some of you don't. But uh, I think this episode in general is these young folks here. Like, I talk about PS majors, like, honestly, because they think they think just because they're liberal and because they're learning and, and they have some type of compassion in their hearts to help these people. This is to watch the ignorant comments. Just to watch the amount of times I felt so uncomfortable in the group. I was uh, speaking about the Democrats club here. Uh, I felt so uncomfortable. And not, not because I was the only black person in there. I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. I've been here for a few years now. I can deal with being the only black person. But just the comments they were making up black about black people and that was only black person there i'm just like um they come up they're ignorant comments they're they're really ignorant comments and then i was asked one time by one of the members why don't you show up anymore and i said i felt really weird i felt like there was this disconnect i don't feel connected to anybody and this the issues the issues they're talked about in a weird way. And I honestly don't feel like I have a space in the club. I don't feel welcome. And, uh, yeah. And I said that, yeah, as a black person, that's the only black person in the club. And this, this girl is going to say to me, my parents, this is a white girl, by the way. She says, my parents divorced and my mom started dating a mixed guy. And I understand and learned so much about the black community. And just even that comment, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to have to clock out. <laughs> I clocked out. Like, it's just ignorant comments like that. And just because, like, this girl was liberal, she thought it was okay to say something like that. And she didn't think it was anything wrong with, with her comment. But that's not the case. That's not the case. Then another point I would like to make, yeah, white people or any other race of people in general, they try to fix a problem that they do not truly understand. You need to learn, like, uh, I forgot my one class, my professor always, Tim Tim Hartford, I think, in this TED talk he did, he emphasizes the importance of trial and error. And is Washington actually going to invest in it? Then no, no, they're not going to invest in trial and error because they only need the black people for a few months for the election cycle. So they're, so they're not genuinely interested in, in fixing the problems. They're not. <laughs> they, they don't, they don't. They're not interested. They're not interested in fixing the problems because if they did, they 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 know the research. Research can be done to actually like try to fix the problems that uh, that that we have here in this country. And they just try to do these short term fixes for these problems, and they end up doing more harm than good. 
because they're not willing to put the time and effort or they don't have the heart. They don't care in general. They don't care to, to, to fix them. So they try to fix these problems. They don't understand. They don't talk to people in the community. They, they don't take time to talk to anyone. They assume that black people are these all the same. They assume we're just one big uni-black, uni-black person. And that's not the case. That's really not the case. And that's when that ignorance comes in. And that's what comes to this endless spiral, 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 spiral of useless policies that don't work. And why everything stays stagnant here. Like I said, creates more disaster than the initial problem. And people aren't willing to look into it. And that's annoying. And I would like to give this this one example. I don't know if this person watches. Not watch. You can't watch. You can watch a podcast if you want. But listens to this podcast. But uh, she she was taking this class or whatever. And she was, she was telling me about hoods and ghettos that, that she learned about in her class in her textbook. And I'm just like, oh, God, does she not realize how she sounds right now? This, this is like, why are you trying to explain to me what I already know? Like, what, I, what I've seen firsthand. And I was annoyed, not going to lie. And I, I did, okay, I was being half serious. But I said, <laughs> I told her, maybe you should take a field trip to the hood <laughs> so you can understand what you're truly reading about and learning about in class. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know she would take me seriously. Then a few days later, she was like, <laughs> She was like, Frenice, you were right. Maybe I should take a field trip to the hoods so I can understand better. <laughs> and she she listened. Um she I don't I don't know if if she took the field trip to the hood or not. Hopefully her head is still on her shoulders. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure she's alive now. Guys, don't take a field trip to the hood for fun, unless you have to go there or you live there. Please don't. But um, just just that stuff, okay? The point is you could learn about something, you could read about something, but a lot of these textbooks in general are racist and biased. So those people, yeah, yeah, you can learn about it. But uh, if you don't have that firsthand experience or you don't take the time to, to generally get to know these people, get get to know these communities, do some trial and error, then you would never truly understand. And these intentions, you have good intentions, quote unquote, you're, you're not ever gonna, you're not ever gonna, uh, gosh, I don't know if you guys heard that freaking horn. You're not ever gonna get to the point where there's actual progress in these communities. And that's the case. That's the case because these people, these african-american people like not to say i grew up in the worst of situations but it was definitely a bigger challenge for me to get to the stage where i am at right now where i am able to come to college like i am the only one out of my four siblings to even graduate high school and there was a lot of challenges presented versus someone who comes from a more privileged 
background with college educated parents um who had more money and even just the norm the norm of uh you have to go to college you have to do well in high school because there's nobody checking on my grades there's no one to wake me up because it was just not a norm so even to have those norms embedded in your brain that makes a big difference in the child's life and like whether or not they're going to actually do something i was luckily i'm strong-minded enough Sometimes it's a blessing and a curse to be strong-minded like me because I am very, 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 very stubborn. So I would say it was more of a blessing because I am where I am right now. I may get into some conflicts with that. I may be stubborn, but um, I'm here right now and like whatever, balance boundaries and I I can improve in, in some ways. But just that. So these people that understand, that grew up, in these neighborhoods that grew up around black people that that understand that that are willing to, to to do research and actually have some sort of idea like a nice balance of experience in learning academics a nice balance like that how do we get these people they're rare they're honestly rare because we don't have those opportunities it's a bigger barrier for us to get to this point than the ignorant people that want to quote unquote change the world it's it's a easy it's easier for them to get here and make more ignorant decisions and keep this circle spiral going and going and going around 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 and nothing ever gets done and nothing probably won't ever get done until we realize this because the starting line again it's the starting line it's the way you grew up. It's those norms in the household. It's it's all of that. And we need to change that. We need to change the amount of just the the concept of a PWI is ridiculous. To be here and have a college campus of sixty percent white people, you don't see a problem with that? And to have in this campuses, I believe, six percent african-american you don't see a problem with that you don't see a problem with that and the fact that our minority uh, graduation rates they are looked at in terms of five-year graduation rates versus four-year graduation rates for a bachelor's that's that's even that like even that again these norms and values you set the norm you're a minority you're supposed to graduate you're going to graduate in five years anyway let's measure this in five years Do do you not see the problem with that Again, why are they assuming? Why are they assuming? Why can't we finish college in four years? Seeing that, I just, I can't, I can't. People assume it. Okay. That's my point today. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. But again, don't assume. Pander a little bit. And that's because you have to. We all pander once in a while. We pander to our bosses. Pander to our professors, pander to our teachers, pander to our parents to get what we want in life. But uh, at some point, it gets cringy. These politicians are cringy. And they'll assume one solid race of people are all the same. Because I don't have the same views as Tyrone across the street. Or um, Denise downstairs. It's not the case. So, again, please don't assume. Y'all need to understand that. Understand that okay all right all right all right all right 
that's all for today's episode, folks. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is a little longer, but uh, I hope you were able to, to see some of my passions. And you see, oh, Bernice does have hobbies. She is into something besides talking about herself. But I upload. When I upload, as you can see, it's typically going to be at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. We don't do that. Eastern, we don't do that, uh, MDT, whatever, Central Mountain, whatever, whatever. But for questions and for my advice segment of my podcast, I stand for advice. You can email me any, any, any time. I will check my email at fcoupe24 at gmail.com. If you need me to spell that out, F-C-O-U-P-E-T at gmail. And if you were born sometime in this decade, last decade, you can DM me on Instagram and my Instagram is Frenice the Beast. You need me to spell that out. F-R-A-N-E-S-E-D-A-B-E-A-S-T. Okay. I'm Frenice Coupe, your host. And always, 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 always be prepared to offend, to offend. Have a great, great, great day, night, wherever. See you.